0: Hello, hello. How has your week been? How are you feeling? Did you catch last week's episode about the power of you and are you all fired up as a result? I really hope so because this is a great episode to put each of those elements of our very own powerfulness into action. We are talking palm oil. I think we're all aware now of the issue of palm oil and certainly the fact that it's in a lot of our foods but knowing what's the best thing to do is another kettle of fish entirely. Should we be trying to avoid it? Should we be looking for sustainably sourced palm oil or is there no such thing? Can we trust the certifications? It's an absolute minefield and one that quite often makes me want to hide under the duvet with a bar of palm oil-free chocolate, although there is the big potential that I would just worry that that wasn't the right type of chocolate to choose. Luckily for us all today, I have got a belter of an episode with Cat Barton and Faye Sherlock from Chester Zoo. Now, naively, it never really occurred to me that zoos would have people working at them other than the staff on the ground feeding the tigers, so it was fab to hear about Cat's role as a field conservation manager, working with communities in Sumatra and Borneo around Palm Oil, and Faye's job as a sustainable city project officer. It's safe to say they are both pretty clued up about the impact of palm oil on rainforest regions and then really importantly, what we can do as individuals and communities at home to help. I would love to hear your thoughts on this one. Has it changed your mind about how you approach palm oil? Are you inspired to look into becoming a sustainable community or workplace or school? Let me know. You can email me, drop me an email on jen at sustainableish.co.uk, or you can come and find me on social media where I'm at sustainableish pretty much everywhere. And as ever, my usual plea if you enjoy this episode, please do share with friends and family. And if you've got a spare minute, <laughs> Obviously, we all have lots of spare minutes. Do leave a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps to get more ears listening and spreading the word. Enjoy. Hello, welcome to Kat and to Fay. Really excited. We've got two of you here today sharing your expertise. Um, Kat, can you kick off by introducing yourself and telling us what you do?
1: Yeah, I'm Kat Barton and um, I'm Field Conservation Manager at Chester Zoo. Um, But for the past 10 years, I've been working on orangutan conservation and palm oil issues.
0: Wow. I mean, even just from that, I'm like, I've got so many questions for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It sounds an amazing job. How did you, I mean, there must be so many people listening. Oh, I'd love to work in a zoo. How did you you get into it?
1: Um, I started, I did a degree in zoology and a wildlife conservation master's. could have ended up anywhere to be honest, any kind of conservation organisation, but um, zoo, I, I found this job available at Chester Zoo and it just really struck a chord with me. Um, so we've got, a, a, we started with a very small field programmes team working all around the world and we've grown over the last kind of 10 years. Um, we've got a, a number of staff working in Africa, Madagascar and Masquerines and um, all over the world focusing on conservation issues so it's that it's that other
0: side of the zoo that people don't see as much about. Because that didn't occur to me that there would be people employed by Chester Zoo working in other parts of the world that's that feels really weird.
1: (laughs) Yeah no, exactly it's it's kind of a a, a, that kind of field conservation aspect of zoos has really grown over the years so a lot of the progressive zoos will have um, really um, kind of concrete solid um, conservation projects and um, kind of uh, basically saving the animals in the wild that we're looking after in
0: zoos as well. Amazing, amazing stuff. And um, Faye, how about you? Can you introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm Faye Sherlock. I'm the Sustainable City Project Officer at the zoo. So I mostly work on the Sustainable Palm Oil Communities Project, working with lots of different communities and the businesses in those areas to go through their supply chain and make sure where they use palm oil that it's sustainable. Wow, again... So many questions. Um, how did you, how did you get into this particular field? Um, I actually did a degree in business studies. So um, came in a, in a bit of a different route. I've always been passionate about conservation and animals and um, wildlife, but it was, it's more the working with people element that I've mm. got come in through. So I worked in business development um, previously and had a really strong network of contacts in the Chester community so it's kind of the people side which i've got in through empowering people and inspiring people which um i really enjoy doing
0: yeah and again it wouldn't have occurred to me that that a zoo would have a kind of always like an outreach arm to it you know and would be sort of working um with the organ, you know with the businesses within its city and that sort of thing is is chester quite unique in that order i mean i are. Uh sort of local zoo when I was a teenager was Marwell and I, I mean I, I don't know if they're doing anything similar is that is Chester quite unique or are there lots of these things going on with all the different zoos?
2: A lot of the zoos the education side is really strong in terms of mm. outreach so that's something which has really grown in popularity we, we have it at Chester as well in terms of working with schools and school children on their outreach. Um, Kat I don't know you might be better sort of placed to, to know with other zoos how much outreach work they do in the community.
1: Yeah, a lot of the zoos now will have um, education programs. Um, so again, working with local schools, um, where schools can come in to the zoos, or um, members of staff can go out to the zoos. Have a lot of volunteer programs um, so that people from the community can get involved. And I think it depends on the on the zoo as well. Um, certainly in Chester, we've we're a core part of of the community. Chester is quite small. We're a big tourist attraction for Chester. Um whereas you might find in other cities that you know the zoo is maybe a smaller tourist attraction, so it, it's not quite as, as integrated. But I, I would say that all of the zoos now we have really close connections with, you know, the local MPs, for example, mm. um, and and that's across the country. Um zoos are working with their MPs on, on conservation issues and really trying to push that um the environmental agenda. Amazing.
0: So palm oil, like one of those issues that I think we would really love there to be a nice, easy answer to, and I really don't think there is, is there? I was asked, um, I've been doing quite a lot of talks this week for Mental Health Awareness Week and, and the sort of nature theme, and one of the questions somebody had at the end was palm oil, and I was like, come back to me tomorrow, because hopefully I'll have some more answers, but also I don't think there is a nice, neat, tied up with a ribbon answer that we kind of want there to be. Is, is that right, Kat, would you say? Yeah, no, you're
1: very right there. I think the the easy solution. You, I think with every issue like this, you want it to be black and white, and it's not. It's always mm. grey. There's yeah. so many shades of grey within the palm oil issue. So yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those it's one of those topics that has caused a lot of controversy. I think over the years, um, previously, you know, up to ten years ago, people didn't really know about mm. it. Now people know about it and just presume it's all bad. Um, But there are good elements as well, which is what we're working on um, and trying to kind of get involved with the problem and find solutions. Um, So there are good elements (laughs) as well.
0: So, Faye, let's go back to basics. I kind of, I think it felt for me like awareness around Parmal really took off when there was that um, Iceland advert. I think, was it Christmas 2019? Was it Christmas 2019 or 2018? 2018. Anything pre-pandemic feels, you know eons ago um, and and that really sort of struck people's um you know it, it, it was a very emotive advert wasn't it and that really sort of uh, saw awareness skyrocket
2: but what is palm oil palm oil um you will mostly find in um indonesia and malaysia grown in in those regions it's a fruit which comes from an oil palm tree and it produces the most ha- highest uh, volume of oil um in an area if you compare it to other types of oils Mm. which is why it's so great because you need from a small piece of land you can get absolute loads of oil it's really really versatile so you can use it in lots and lots of different products which is great it's got a high melting point um so it's got lots of kind of really positive aspects which is why you'll find it used in about 50 percent of goods which you find in the supermarket yeah, it's in around 50% um, of goods. It prolongs shelf life, which is obviously a really um, great thing because food waste is, mm. is not good. So uh, if we can find products which help prolong sh- uh, shelf life in the supermarket, then that's really good. Um, so, yeah, you'll find it in everything from toothpaste, uh, bread, you'll find it in ice cream. Wow. Um, toilet roll <laughs> was a new one, actually, I found out toilet recently. Roll? Yeah, so you know, it's a really versatile, um, really versatile kind of ingredient okay, for, for tell products. That toilet roll, how is there palm oil in my loo roll? Do you know Kat? I only found it out recently and I was quite shocked, but um that one's a new one for me, but the one I always laugh about
1: is the um, cloudy lemonade. Apparently it makes the cloud in the cloudy lemonade. <gasps> um so th- there is there is kind of areas where a lot of people will talk about wanting to go palm oil free, but because mm. it is so versatile and it's using wow. so many different things, it would be virtually impossible to go palm oil-free because it's in you you've got the palm oil itself that's using products, and then it's broken down into, into derivatives. And those derivatives have, you know, hundreds of different kind of very complicated names on your on your package products that you'd really have to look into to, to figure out if it, if it was palm oil derivative or not. Um, so, yeah, getting rid of palm oil would not be easy. Wow.
0: And when did we discover it? When did we find out that that palm oil was a thing and that it was useful? And like, at what point did it start being really used? It was um, so it's originally from West Africa.
1: It's a crop that was grown in, in West Africa um, and used as a cooking oil. So, mm. it's a, you know, it's an edible vegetable oil like we would use kind of sunflower oil, mm. that kind of thing. Um, It was introduced to Indonesia and Malaysia, I think, about 100 years ago, but it's only in the last few decades, kind of 20 to 30 years, uh, where it's really kind of grown in popularity. Mm. Um, It became such a useful oil that it just almost exploded. Yeah. And Indonesia and Malaysia, I think, produce around 85% of
0: of palm oil. So what were we using before then? Because I think back to growing up in the 80s and, you know, there was quite a lot of processed food going on there.
2: What did we use before
0: we discovered palm oil? Animals? Animal fat. A lot of more animal fat.
1: Yeah. So when you think of it back into that context, yeah, you're not you're not killing animals Mm. to produce the oil. It's it's growing the trees. So it's it has moved on. (laughs) We've we've moved on in terms of environmental, but we need to we do need to move further and,
0: and make it better. And and you've already said, Kat, that it's it's in 50% of things in the um, shop, in the supermarket, and that it it's not just the palm oil, it's all the things that it gets broken down into. So if we're looking on labels, this is probably where you're going to end up just saying a stream of words that mean nothing to any of us, but I can make a list that I can put in the show notes. What are the kinds of things that we ought to be looking for? I don't know who's the label experts between you two. Um,
1: to be honest, we've got a list on the website, so oh, we send that to you. That'll to be that. easier <laughs> because I'm not even going to go anywhere near pronouncing that. <laughs> um, but certainly on food, it's, a law came in, I think it was 2014, where you had to, um, it was European law, we have to um, label individually vegetable oils. So previously your chocolate bar would have just said vegetable oil. right whereas the law came in and it had to specify which oil. Mm-hmm. So certainly for food products, it's a lot easier on labels to see if palm oil is there or not. It's when you get to the cleaning product side and, um, and animal feed and that kind of thing where you've got derivatives, that becomes much harder and you have that list of you know, over 100 different names. Wow. But
0: that's just labelling palm oil. It's not labelling sustainability. Okay. And say you were saying you know, it's it's in all these different things. It's in our loo roll, which I completely hadn't expected. Mm. And I often think people forget that it will be in like shampoo and cosmetics and things like that. But Kat's just mentioned cleaning products as well. And that hadn't occurred to me. Are there any other weird and apart from the loo roll places that we, that people might not think about necessarily?
2: Mm, Um, no, I think that is probably the broad kind of spectrum. You you will find it in in lots of different things. So I mean, yeah, is there cleaning anything products else? We've done, another we've one. Done
0: food, drink, <laughs> cosmetics, cleaning products. <laughs> uh
2: yeah, I'm trying to think of, yeah, is there anything else? I think that is most of most of them covered. Wow. Yeah, and it can be used as biofuel as well in, yeah. in many countries. That's so biofuel
1: true. is a is a key one. Oh my goodness. Okay, so what's the big deal? Why does it matter if we're using all this palm oil? So basically what's happened is um, in Indonesia and Malaysia, um, particularly, the the palm oil industry grew, which on one side was, um, you know, brilliant for developing countries because it's a massive industry. Mm. Millions of people are employed by the palm oil industry. 85% of palm oil comes from Malaysia and Indonesia. So it's a huge part of the economy. And around 40% of those of, of palm oil grown is from smallholders as well. So local farmers. Oh, Okay. So it is a big industry, um, but in the expansion, and this kind of, it was such a rapid expansion, whole areas of rainforests were destroyed. So a lot of primary forest has, has been cut down. It wasn't just for palm oil as well. So the area that we work in Borneo had previously been logged for timber mm-hmm. before palm oil came along. So we work in a secondary forest that has actually grown back. Oh, wow. um, and there's now orangutans and you know other, other species in there. So it's not just for palm oil, but yeah, this rapid expansion basically of agriculture um, as, as just deforested massive areas. And so it's really important to look at the biodiversity because the biodiversity, particularly on Borneo and Sumatra, is so unique. Orangutans and, uh, are only found on, on these two islands. Are they really? Yes. Yeah. So Borneo and Sumatra oh. are the only areas, are the only islands that you can find orangutans. Um, so we really do need to you know help protect them and I think that the biggest thing for for me as a conservationist is this is an issue that we can impact Mm. there's other issues in conservation where you feel you're completely removed from the problem but we're part of the problem Mm. because we're buying the product there's something that
0: we can we can actually do to make a difference yeah So just to play devil's advocate for a moment and because I'm just thinking there might be some people who are listening and thinking, well, we've chopped down trees, but we've replaced the trees with trees. So what's the big like, why does that matter? And you've sort of talked biodiversity, haven't you? But can you just explain that for us? Yeah.
1: So with a with a palm oil plantation, it's basically a monoculture is one type of tree. So Mm -hmm. in a in a natural rainforest, a primary rainforest, you would have hundreds, thousands of different species of trees, plants, animals. Mm You lose. I think. I think the the scientists have, have come back with estimates of around eight to eight five percent less biodiversity in oil palm plantations, and wow. because um, it is just a it's it's a monoculture, it's mm. it's agriculture. And the other type, the the other kind of side of the issues that you get as well is uh, where you have these oil palm landscapes. What you tend to find is you've got fragmented habitat, so you'll have a bit of natural forest and then an oil palm plantation and then another Mm. bit of natural forest and these patches of forest kind of surrounded by this sea of oil palm Mm. so you then start getting human wildlife conflict issues so orangutans or elephants going into Mm. plantations um, and that's where you then get the issues where um, you know orangutans can be killed and removed the animals are destroying crops so it's affecting people's livelihoods yeah, so yeah. it's all that kind of human wildlife aspect that um we've got to try and find solutions to
0: mm. and you mentioned that um i can't remember what percentage you said but that, that there is a percentage that is because I, I you know in my head it's like big agriculture it's like somebody going over there the you know the amazon equivalent going over there with big diggers and but you said a, quite a lot of it is is smallholders yeah, and I guess there's a and, and presumably they're then selling on to a sort of bigger um you know and there's a, a whole supply chain and thing that goes on there. Yeah,
1: you tend to find so it's around I, th- I think the average out about sixty percent is kind of the bigger the bigger companies and then mm. around 40% small holders, which could be, you know, a large small holding or right. it could be a local farmer who just has a bit yeah. of oil palm in his in the garden. Yeah. Um so it could that's a you know that's a um, a huge variation in itself. Um, but it's, it is where you have these big, massive industrial size scale plantations where you could get wildlife that get almost completely trapped. Mm. Um, there's an area that, an area where we work in, in, in Borneo is called a It's got a river, massive river running through it and orangutans don't cross the river. Right. So you could get to the situation where you've got a patch of habitat going Mm. kind of along that riparian zone of the river with an oil palm plantation behind it. And how does that orangutan Mm. get anywhere? Um, You can't go one way because of the water, you can't go the other way because of the plantation. So this is what we've been working on with sustainable palm oil is this kind of um, how do we reconnect the landscape, Mm. help the animals to, to move around
0: yeah so we've talked about orangutans Faye what other creatures are sort of most at risk
2: yeah you'll actually find them um on the islands part in the zoo and um, so sun bears um, gibbons you know lots and lots of different species
1: palm pygmy elephants tigers
0: elephants oh. Oh, pygmy yeah. elephants! i don't know why that's yeah. even more <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man Okay, so we know that it's a big issue. We know that it's in a lot of foods, and you said, Kat, that you know one of the, I guess, heartening aspects of working in this area of conservation is it's something we can do something about. But my God, it feels confusing to know what to do for the best, doesn't it? Because we've already touched on the fact that it's a really, really productive crop, and I know that, you know, from from the sort of brief reading and things I've done around it, that that it's not as simple as as saying, okay, well, we'll switch from palm oil to something else. Um, so can, how talk to us what, what the impact would be if we said, okay, we're just gonna stop using palm oil. What would the, what would the impact be? Because that feels like, okay, simple solution, job done, not using palm oil anymore, but mm-hmm. why isn't it that quite that easy? Basically, we wouldn't if, if we in the UK
1: just stopped using palm oil, we wouldn't have that big an impact. There wouldn't oh, be wow. a massive change in the situation on the ground that we've got that we need to solve. Well, because
0: we don't have that much of a sort of market share of it. Is it yeah, a lot in the US? Yeah. Oh wow.
1: So much palm oil is grown. We're we're a fairly small buyer, even if you take the whole of Europe, I think we're right. only the third, the third largest buyer as, as the whole of Europe. So what are the top two? i think india china um indonesia is quite high itself wow. as well
0: and is that because they're doing a lot of manufacturing over there or or just because they use a lot in their um, own they ju- they just use a lot yeah it's a very wow. um
1: it's a cheap efficient oil to mm. use um a lot of um a lot of countries in asia will use it as a cooking oil as well oh, okay. and they use it in in west africa as well so you will get your kind of pubs of yeah palm oil like we would get the sunflower oil. So we don't really see it over here, but it's used as the main cooking oil. Right. Um so bearing in mind that those a lot of those countries' sustainability just isn't as high on the agenda. So if we removed ourselves from the problem by just saying we're not buying palm oil, it's still going to be grown. It's not going anywhere. We've not solved any issues in the field. We've still got habitat fragmentation and there's still an increase in demand for palm oil as the world population's increasing. And all of that bad palm oil would just be sold to India and China, and we'd just have removed ourselves,
0: and it wouldn't be helping orangutans at all in the world. So, wild. if there was, a, I know it's not possible, but if there was a worldwide ban, like what, what would the implications of that be?
1: Um, we'd need to get our vegetable oil from somewhere else. Okay. And so, the biggest issue with that is palm oil is the most efficient. Um, it needs a lot less land so we'd if we were wanting rapeseed soy any other type of oil we'd be um, basically destroying habitat elsewhere so in latin america there's you know size being grown and mm. the species there are impacted in europe we've already got you know we've already done all of the deforestation over here and what we've got less left is so limited if we pushed all that to rapeseed or the likes, that would be destroying even more of the of kind of our nature mm. as well. So it's really thinking about um, where you're going to get that food from, where you're going to get that vegetable oil from.
0: Yeah, Transferring the problem isn't a solution. I think it's Iceland. Haven't they committed to be palm oil free, which sounds great, but Faye, is, is that a feasible? Will it make a difference? Are they kind of solving one issue and creating two more i don't know
2: yeah um we definitely don't um work on palm oil free we work on deforestation free like that's our messaging so we we demand deforestation free and like kat said by working with the palm oil industry with experts with other orangutan charities with other experts we work with them to get better principles. Mm. So, wildlife corridors, so the piece of fragmented forests, like Kat said, how can we connect, connect them? Rope bridges, which we've tested on site at the zoo with our orangutans oh. on site. This is how we link the projects together. I really so... wanted to go and build a bridge when you said the orangutans are stuck yeah. by the river. I was like, oh, I can't we've done, we've done some bridges. <laughs> we've, done <it. laughs> we've done it. Yeah. Yeah. Like Kat said, if you remove yourself from the story, you can't be part of the solution. Right. And, there's millions and millions of people employed by this industry. We don't want to take that away from mm. them, from their economy. We don't want to put them into poverty. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's not what we want in these developing countries. So, yeah, we we want to come up with some solutions. It's not perfect, but by um, having experts, you know, working with with the RSPo, that that's the certification scheme that that we support. You know, by working with them, we can say this isn't good enough. We want improvements mm. here. This is how it's developing. This is where we see it going. Um, and by working with them, you know, that there, there have been loads of changes. The deforestation free, which came in, was that 2018, cut That came in, which was a massive cause for celebration. Oh, okay. You know, that um, there's the sort of Titan guidelines, which is is now no deforestation, no fires. So no burning of the land, which, which is absolutely brilliant. No panting on peatland. So is this for RSP, RSPO certification? RSPO certification. So it includes, yeah no deforestation which is you know a a massive one no forest fires no planting on peatland incorporating things like wildlife corridors um gaining permission from local communities because a lot of land grabbing Mm. um happened with unsustainable palm oil um and the human side as well which is something um although we're a a charity predominantly obviously based with animals we also think about the human side so um supporting get improved working conditions that's that's now part of their key principles and uh, key criteria
0: because I guess this is this is a you know another one of those areas that's sort of open to sort of modern slavery and you know um, yeah below child living labor wage
2: and wow is there child labor in palm oil in unsustainable palm oil yeah wow. yeah
0: yeah um so the RSPO certification I have heard a lot of a lot of people say it lacks teeth. It lacks, um, you know, it, it's just literally a piece of paper. And lots of the big people have sort of found ways to just wiggle around it. And whether there's sort of, you know, a lot of backhanders going on and things like that. Um, I think Greenpeace have been quite down on it. Have they? The RSPo um, certification. Can we trust it, Kat?
1: I think it's a case of having to trust it and working to make it better. Okay. Um, so we very much we work with partners in the field. And they are in, you know, they agree with us. Orangutan conservation is going out every day studying these orangutans and trying to build solutions in the field with local plantation owners. And the only way to solve this is to work with plantation owners and Mm. with the industry to make it better. The RSPO is the world's most recognized. What does it stand for, RSPO? So it's Roundtable on
0: Sustainable Palm Oil. And who, who, who is that? Who, who hands out the certificates?
1: It's, it's a group. It's okay. basically a roundtable. So it was set up originally by um, member, progressive members of the industry, WWF. Okay. Um, so it's, it's set up as this roundtable so that all of the different players can come together and have these discussions and create the criteria mm. to make it better. It's a voluntary scheme. That's, right. the, that's the key point. So Malaysia and Indonesia have their own sustainability standards, which everyone should be adhering to, and those have got better over the okay. years as well, which is great. But the RSPO is a step up on that, and there's other organisations as well. There's Palm Oil Innovation Group, for example, POIG. They're a step further than oh, okay. RSPO. They've been quite progressive, and, and again, it's industry members and, and NGOs such as Orangutan Land Trust have helped set these up. So there's lots of people working to make sustainable better because it's, it is a journey. Mm. Um, You know, we started off and RSPO started off on this in 2004 and it's massively progressed since then. We're still at only around 19, 20% of of palm oil globally is RSPO certified, which isn't enough. And we need to get that better, but actually the standards have improved. So as Faye said, in 2018, we got that deforestation-free standard through Mm. the RSPO, which was the critical one for NGOs. Um, You could only be RSPO certified if you don't deforest land from 2018. So that's that's key Mm. because that's what we want, no more deforestation. Mm. Um, But at the same time, then working with what's there to make it better, wildlife corridors, that kind of thing. And I think the other key part is if you don't work with these organisations like the RSVO to help them better, how are they how are they going to get better? Mm, yeah, um, yeah. So it's about being part of it. And yes, there might be issues, and we recognise the issues. Um, our partners in the in the field, you know, we're always having these discussions. What what can we do to improve it? But it is about working together to improve it rather yeah. than just it's not good enough now. So it's so it's a no from me. Yes. And um, that wouldn't be our attitude. It's very much um get in there get stuck in make the changes Mm. and let's see where it goes
2: yeah
1: and it is sustainability is a journey and it's yes especially with biodiversity if we want to start seeing changes in the field it's not going to happen overnight you know Mm. you plant a tree it's going to take you know 15 years for it to be mature enough for um you know some of the bird species and things to start coming
0: in so it it is a long time scale but we need to be making the changes now So, who pays for the certification? So, if I mean, I'm just going to pick a name and it's just because it, you know, so if Cadbury's are saying they've got them, I mean, I don't know if they do, uh, they've got RSPO certified palm oil in their products. Have they paid for that certification or is it like the people that, you know, does it, is it the person literally on the ground growing it who has to have the certification and then they buy from that wholesaler sort of thing?
1: Yeah, it's pretty much all the way down the chain. There's so you, you pay to be, um, a member and to become certified so you so you pay into the organization if that makes sense um, so plantation owners on the ground will have to pay to be rspo certified and then they get they basically get the checks so um, okay. someone will come in independent of the rspo it's third party verification they come in and kind of certify the site And then again, down the chain, if companies want to be certified and they want to use the RSPO logo, that kind of thing, they've got to be in it. They've got to be members and and part of that organisation.
0: And do they get like regular checks? Yeah, and they
1: have to submit things like an ACOP report, for example, um, which I can't off the top of my head think (laughs) of what what that stands for. But the ACOP report is basically an annual annual report of of the company's use of palm oil. So that's everyone from a plantation owner, through to the manufacturers they have to put down what you know what they're mm. doing here in terms of palm oil and we actually use that that's public information and we actually use that as well um so we can we have a shopping list for example so we can go into the different brands and um, have a look at what they've been using that's sustainable and not mm. sustainable and um, there's different levels of sustainability which get very complicated oh, wow. but Um, Is are they using certificates for example or have they gone all the way to fully segregated sustainable palm oil and then we can use that to kind of put our shopping list together so that consumers can see what brands are doing so all of that information is publicly available and there's a lot of organisations ZSL for example, another zoo um, they look very much into kind of transparency of companies as well so they've got a couple of projects running
0: so that, that shopping list that you talked about, can we find that on your website of, oh, brilliant, amazing. Right, Faye, sustainable, sit, t- sustainable cities, palm oil. I can't remember which way around was it. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> sustainable palm oil. We actually changed it to communities. It was cities, right. but we wanted to be a little bit more inclusive so it's not just based on like geographical areas. Mm. So if you're part of a big football club yeah. group, you know, you could get on board as that's oh, a community. Okay. Um, so we changed it recently to, to be communities.
0: So, so talk to us about that. How does that work? Is it a bit like the Surfers Against Sewage Plastic Free Communities? Is it that kind of and, and like fair trade
2: towns and things like that? Yeah, it's a very similar concept. So we started in Chester. I think it was about 2017 that it was launched. Um, We set ourselves a target number of businesses in um, different groups. So hospitality Mm. was the main one which we focused on. Uh, We went out and went and spoke to businesses to see who had a knowledge on palm oil. And this was pre kind of the big Iceland Mm. ad. So actually, Mm. really people, um, there wasn't a lot of knowledge around it and demanding sustainable. Mm. So hospitality was kind of our our key focus, but it also included workplaces manufacturers retailers um council food outlets lots and lots of kind of a variety but our kind of key focus was hospitality and so we put together a model and targeted ourselves a number of businesses in which then we could say we're a sustainable palm oil city um, and worked with them so they make a pledge that they're committed to the campaign we ask that they first of all make one change And then put it on their website, put it on their social media Mm. to say, right, you know, this is what we're doing. We're aiming in a month's time or a year's time, depending on how big the business is, to make sure that all of our um, supply chain contains physically sustainable palm Mm. oil. And yeah, that, that's kind of the process of how they, they come on board and we achieved that at the start of 2019, which was amazing. It had such a great community feel. Mm. It was a project which all the businesses can work together on and feel really proud. So we have lots of independent restaurants and cafes in yeah. Chester and we found that they you know, were really, really passionate about um, this campaign. So then it was kind of what's next. Yes, We didn't just want to stop there. It's thinking, right, what, what else can we do? Um, And it's looking at getting the project up and running in other communities, like some of the other sustainability projects kind Mm. of you mentioned, which you see them popping up everywhere. So at the moment, we've got it running in Oxford, Saltash and Newquay, which is brilliant and in talks with lots more at the moment and which are hoping to launch over the coming months as we're coming out of kind of, hopefully, coming out of lockdown. feels like a better time to kind of launch them. So lots more to come, lots of really passionate people from all different communities so some are launching it as a school oh, um wow. some with in oxford it's and orangutan society so that's brilliant you know another charity which um has that link within the fields mm. which which is really great to talk about volunteers running it you know zoos mm. it, all different kind of organizations running it we're trying to get some manufacturers running it because it's really interesting to see how different organizations run it and use their connections and yeah. advertise it and get Get businesses kind of passionate about it and confident to speak to their uh, customers about it.
0: So, if someone's listening and they're they're thinking, okay, this is something I would love to get up and running in in my school, in my workplace, in my in my local community. What do they need to do? And kind of, what's you know, you always want to know what's involved before you sign up to something, don't you? Like, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, definitely. And um, so, it's getting involved in us. So getting in touch with us so we are there to support although we're asking for project leads to lead it in their Mm. area it's very much um we support with documents marketing materials Mm -hmm. getting your website template up and running so it's it's a very similar concept where they will sit there and look at right what businesses do i have in my community set themselves a target and aims work with us so we can support on that side of it and then it's using our questionnaires our pledge forms um we've got we've got it all kind of ready to go yeah and they get get out there and get businesses signed up so um people who have you know strong connections with the local community f- find that you know um that's invaluable it might just be literally going around kind of knocking on doors saying Can yeah, i just have five I did that minutes to it. ask you did you yeah well done. yeah because i think that email isn't always as mm. kind of personable so actually going in and chatting and um, people and really getting them engaged with with what we're trying to do mm. is really successful so yeah literally going in and, and saying can I speak to the manager or the owner and, and having a chat with them can be a great way of doing it and
0: do you need um because I think with the sort of surface against sewage plastic free communities you need a certain need to have engaged a certain number of businesses to kind of get the get the badge and the recognition is it is it similar do, or do you just say you know you're doing work in the area
2: yeah it's similar so we set ourselves target in Chester and um, we ended up getting over 50 businesses which is wow. brilliant we kind of exceeded our target but we didn't want to have like a set formula mm. because different areas have different yeah. industry have different type of businesses so we have like project guidelines so they put together an action plan have a look at what they've got and kind of work with us on deciding those numbers of mm. what is yeah. realistic for them to achieve in yeah. their area and then they yeah that's what they work towards it is a gorgeous project for a school i think
0: you know have have you seen um ellie jackson's wild tribe heroes books and she does one about an orangutan doesn't she and i mean what a like if you've got a primary school what a lovely project to kick off with the book and then have you guys got resources and things for schools around
2: you know running an assembly around this and that sort of thing yeah, so many resources, um, and actually loads of them are on our website, which is amazing. Um, it's one of our kind of key projects as a zoo mm. is the palm oil project. So not only do we do this communities project, it's absolutely ingrained in the education work that we do. And um, so there's loads of information on our website. We can kind of provide the links um, to loads of free resources which can mm. be downloaded by teachers. Yeah, lot lots of works for school. We've just we're just about to launch one of the schools, so it'll be really interesting to see yeah. um, to see how that works in our community.
0: Yeah, amazing. and um, and Kat, so what other things can we do if we're maybe not quite ready to launch ourselves into um sort of a, a big project like that? Because you know, we hear about people saying, well, we should boycott or we should, you know, just look for RSPO or we should avoid it entirely. Like what what have you got, I don't know, some top tips for us as consumers that we can do? I guess top tips are just keeping an eye on what you're
1: buying and mm. where you if you find out that one of your favorite brands or manufacturers isn't using sustainable palm oil then ask the question. It, what we found is it just needs those few people to create that tipping point. Yeah. Um, enough people asking the right questions. So what are the right questions to ask? For me it would be is the do you use palm oil in your products? Mm-hmm. Is it certified sustainable? Mm -hmm. Is it physically certified sustainable? So this is the different elements of of sustainable palm oil. But you can you can buy certificates, for example. um you can then go to a scheme called Mass Balance, which will be some sustainable palm oil mixed
0: with non-sustainable. So people can buy a certificate and not make any changes. Basically, yeah. And it's actually
1: (laughs) not on our shopping list, so don't (laughs) worry. It's it's a good scheme to get started. Right, And this is something that NGOs have debated about for, for quite a while actually, with this kind of this certificate scheme. But actually sustainable palm oil has to have been grown on the ground for those
0: certificates to be available to buy. It's just that it may not be in your actual product. So it's a bit like the um, Regos for the energy, um, yeah. clean energy thing. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it is a good scheme because it what it does is it creates
1: that demand for sustainable palm oil on the ground. Right. It's just not got that transparency there, for example, with segregated palm oil that's all physical, sustainable palm oil that's coming in your products. You can take it back pretty much to to an area or a plantation. You know where it's coming from um, and you know that it's sustainable with the certificates. It has to have been grown somewhere on the ground, but it's not part of that kind of real transparent chain. So what's the gold standard um, that we should look the for? The gold standard is something called, I guess, identity preserved with the RSPO, which is you know the exact plantation
0: where that's the same or palm that has come from. Can you say that again? Sorry, I didn't catch the bit you said. Identity preserved, it's called. Okay. And would that be labelled on, you know, because a of it will just say rspo certified palm oil so then i'm thinking well we don't know if that's just someone paying a tenner for a certificate or if that's um yeah you know, it will if it's
1: physical so if it's segregated or identity preserved so segregated is the most common for for physical it will be clear on the label i think there's there's a there's a little difference in the in the wording okay. and that it supports sustainable right there's, there's a label that says support sustainable palm oil production well, and then is. there's contains right so the companies have to um it on what they're buying that's the kind of label they can get but you will find that a lot of companies don't actually use the rspo logos um oh, okay which is it it can be really frustrating um because you want, you want consumers to know, as you say, what, yeah. what can I do? Well, go and buy Sustainable Palmore. Well, how can I find it yes. if it's not labelled? Which is why we've done the shopping list.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: And there's a few different apps and things out there as well. And it's um, WWF have a scorecard, a Palmore scorecard, where they kind of rate manufacturers. Oh, wow. And all of these different tools help us to identify. But it's it's really difficult for the the individual consumer yeah I just until you look into it
2: um,
1: and a number of companies who do it um you will and sometimes they'll use the word sustainable in their ingredients list rather than using the logo right
0: so you get different variations and if it says contains sustainable farm oil the cynic in me is saying they'll have just put five percent sustainable palm oil in and the rest will be unsustainable is there a, a minimum amount
1: yeah it would have to be
0: segregated if they
1: if they're using that it would have to be all physical sustainable and it would have to be 100 percent of it yeah oh amazing okay i think one of the things that manufacturers find which i can completely understand as well is that in some of their products it may be you know less than one percent of the actual makeup of the product is palm oil so by sticking a big sustainable sticker on you're yeah. almost pre-washing in it's in yourself yeah, 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 it's yeah. It's raw in
0: cocoa or whatever yeah
1: yeah whereas with soaps for example a lot of soaps you will find the logos because i think around 70 percent of soaps contain palm oil mm. so it's a much bigger
0: makeup so it's, yeah there's a bigger reason to stick that logo on yes yeah there's there's definitely an education piece to be done as well isn't there because i i mean i remember years ago i went on a course to, to learn how to make soap and she was saying you know one of the questions she gets asked a lot is around um why are you using palm oil in your soap and she was using rspo certified palm oil and and was sort of you know trying to explain to people the the exactly as you've done the difference you know if we if we just swap it out for something else we're creating another problem type thing so it is difficult isn't it because people like we said right at the beginning just yeah okay so i'm just going to try and avoid palm oil whereas oh it's really not that easy so um, first thing is, is if you find a product, you know, write to them and or email them or tweet them or whatever, say, is your product um, sustainably source palm oil? Any other
2: things we can do? Definitely celebrating the companies which have done it. Yeah, so if you great find point. companies which do. know we really try and take this uh campaign in a positive with a positive approach so we don't shame the people who don't we celebrate the people that do and support them so actually tweeting the companies you know which are on our shopping list and which you interact with and find that are using sustainable celebrate them and encourage people to make that swap to their company that you know that's great because it it then is a worthwhile investment for them to do yeah because they're investing a lot of time resources money um into doing this so you know you see palm oil free talked about so much Mm. it's scaring you know it's difficult for companies then talk about it yes but if we can encourage them and say no we understand why you're using palm oil and you know we absolutely support that you've taken the time resources to to use sustainable palm oil then you know that's brilliant
0: yeah and that's such a great point i think very often we focus on the on the negatives don't we And, and getting cross and berating the people who aren't doing the things that we might want, and we forget to kind of say thank you and well done to the to the people that are. Yeah. How how realistic is it, Fay, for for a school or for a an independent coffee shop to to be able to across their supply chain make sure it's all responsibly sourced? Is that I mean that sounds quite hard.
2: Well, it, it totally depends on how much um, palm oil you find mm. in your business. So, if you're talking about a small independent cafe probably not that difficult oh, okay. um because it depends how much they make fresh yes um, and some of the businesses we worked with really only had a couple of products and um, they spoke to their suppliers they found that out of the two or three they had one maybe already is sustainable mm. anyway um, and they had to make you know one or two changes and then if you look at the, the bigger the company the more you know they're going to be using soad central which is one of the food supplies which supplies most of the council schools in our area they're one of our amazing champions they went the extra step they became rspo certified themselves and which was a massive undertaking and they do how many millions of school meals do they (sighs) do a year cat it's um yeah i think it it it? might be three or four million school meals a year it's something crazy like that and you know they're so passionate they talk to all the schools they communicate with the schools that they supply them it was still achievable it's yeah. still something that they can they could do and it was a project they were really passionate about but yeah it's definitely absolutely achievable you know we've we've got lots of small businesses doing it and lots of big businesses it just um is a case of and also people kind of think oh well my suppliers even even know suppliers will know it's uh, okay. it's you know it's not something that suppliers will be like oh i don't know if but, you know yes. they absolutely know palmer's okay. spoken about so much at the moment right. and they then speak to me and say Oh, well, I emailed all my suppliers and they got back to me straight away. And, and now and now it's done. Oh, and they're kind of thinking yeah. that It's going to be this big project. And they're like, oh, I, you know, I've made a couple of changes. My suppliers now know that actually this is something that's important. Mm. And in Chester, you find that in communities, they'll use similar suppliers. Mm. So then, you know, three or four cafes yeah, speak yeah, to yeah. their suppliers saying that this is what they want. The aim really is for a campaign like this is to get the suppliers and to yes. get the big those big companies to then become RSPO certified and to realise because it's like with us speaking to the consumer brands which we find in supermarkets we want the businesses speaking to the brands which supply yeah, yeah, yeah. businesses which yeah. we don't really see in the supermarkets and um, so it's that chain reaction which um, is absolutely kind of what we're looking for but it, yeah it's definitely achievable f- for food products mm. we don't we don't include cleaning products and things in this campaign because. As it it's so much more yeah, difficult. yeah yeah it's not something we would discourage people from doing it's just it's not as achievable so we're starting with food products and then that's a project that you know yeah ongoing
0: yeah but again you know as a school if you've got um you know uh, I'm just thinking like our school get their meals bought in from like the local secondary school and so there's a you know there's a big kitchen there that may can do for lots of the primary schools and things so actually if, if a few of the primary schools are going to the secondary school well you know then then that's they're, yeah. they're obviously educating their own children and things in their school but it's it's putting the pressure back up the chain as well isn't it and and yeah. sort of asking those questions which is so so important and yeah. any final tips either of you for us just kind of as slightly bewildered consumers <laughs> i think it's just spreading awareness mm. yeah and
1: just being, as you know, as I'm sure we all are anyway, being con- conscious consumers, mm. it's all think about what you buy in and yeah. and where it's coming from. And I mean, we're progressing our kind, our the other side of our campaign now, so we're starting to work more on cleaning products and mm. animal feed and stuff that it's yeah. harder to find in so we're doing all of that behind the scenes and actually then we're moving on to look at soy as well oh wow um because that's you know that's yeah, another yeah. step so it really is it's about everything it's not about one thing mm. um, it's not about avoiding or boycotting <laughs> one thing it's
2: we can't avoid it's everything, everything.
1: We? <laughs> no, it's about everything and making everything we do Um, in terms of our food consumption sustainable and um, this idea of sustainable agriculture so yeah it's just sharing spreading awareness and just just being a bit more conscious about what we're buying
2: yeah yeah we say like even having conversations with people about the fact that palm oil free is not the solution Mm. that in itself is so powerful because that's you know a battle that we're coming up against quite a bit so even Mm. just speaking to friends and family and colleagues saying oh actually like i I heard that palm oil free isn't the way to go and you know that that in itself is is really powerful
0: yeah there's a great um app called geeky badges that you can get and you can Mm. scan can't you the um and i i sort of recommend it quite a lot and i was talking to somebody on one of my courses recently and he's like god yeah i've scanned everything and it's really depressing but actually, you know, this conversation that but I think geeky label it, don't they, whether it's RSPO or um, yeah. whatever. So, I mean, that's a really useful tool to just I think a lovely project to set the kids on. Like, you know, if, as long as you don't mind putting yeah. it back in the cupboards again um, to find out what's in there and open up that discussion. But looking ahead, Kat, if, if you're sort of saying that, you know, we, we absolutely don't want any more deforestation. Demand looks like it's just going to keep growing. So how do we how does the supply meet the demand without the deforestation?
1: Yeah, and that, like that is a really good question because it is like the world population's
0: growing, demand is increasing. And because it, it's so much in processed foods, isn't it? And the demand for processed foods is just growing all the time. Yeah, a lot of, when we're talking specifically
1: palm oil, a lot of sustainable palm oil and um, the kind of the RSPO idea and a lot of progressive companies themselves are lo- have been looking for years and ideas on how to get more out of their land. Mm. So a lot of what you'll find within those RSPO criteria is about better land management. Right. Um, less waste on the land uh, okay, and more yeah, productive yeah. crops. So actually just getting more out of the land that you, you've got already. Yeah. And it is really difficult because, as we say, it's, it is going to increase. Um, there was a consulta- a UK consultation last year, which was looking at deforestation-free commodities. Mm. And that's going through into the envir- Environment Bill at the okay. moment. Okay. Um, and it was there was a bit massive consultation. A lot of NGOs got involved and, and businesses, and we were basically all asked for deforestation-free commodities um, to come into the UK. So that's looking across commodities. There were yeah. six key key commodities, not just palm oil, but soy and uh, cocoa. I think it was as well, and right. a couple of others. So the UK government are actually um, progressing this as well to ensure that we've not got deforestation coming into the country Mm. through our commodities, which is great. So that's the first step. And the EU did similar as well. Um, So, and again, that deforestation free means supporting things, I guess, like, you know, these certification schemes Mm. or countries where they've banned deforestation themselves with commodity growing. So um, there is progression. Yeah. There's definitely progression in this deforestation free. And I think COVID as as well has really kind of amplified that need, hasn't it, for um we need to be more sustainable and um, it's brought lots of things to our attention, kind of yeah. environmentally and climate related. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a, a lost cause at all. I think there's a lot more we can do
0: and um and I think we'll we can get there, but it's it's pulling together. Yeah. And final question, um Faye. Where do you stand on boycotts? Because I know sort of a lot of people. There'll be you know specific brands that that they say, okay, I'm gonna gonna boycott them until they change their uh, management, uh, their procedures or
2: whatever. Like, is that a um, useful thing to do? Is it? I think it depends if you're communicating with the company yeah. because if you're boycotting it and not telling them, then Nestle don't really give a monkeys if I'm not buying Smarties because <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> unless I've told I think... them, yeah i think it's like we mentioned you know get get tweeting them um you know we don't go out there and shame the companies which aren't but we do go out you know you can ask the question on Mm. on twitter and on social media and say do you use this but yeah in terms of boycott i think it's really important that you speak to the you're communicating with that company so they understand why because there are so many reasons you could be boycotting that product but if you don't say you know hi you know i'm not buying a product i found that used unsustainable palm oil i'm really passionate about that are you working on this in the long Mm. term it's not something that we promote doing really we promote swapping to sustainable so in essence that that kind of you then are not buying that unsustainable product but I think yeah it's really important to communicate that with the company yeah fab thank you so Kat where can we
0: come it sounds like there's loads of resources on the Chester Zoo website what's the what's the web address
1: so we can send that across for you and um, we've yeah. got the kind of chester zoo palm oil campaign almost its own little separate website oh, amazing where you'll find information about palm oil um, we've got all of the a link to all of the palm oil resources so our community work plus um, all of the education resources you can then find out all the other communities that are um, running the project and we've also got a link on there to um, another webinar that we did um, which you can watch if you're interested in setting up the community project oh, in your own area so that's on YouTube I think mm. so there's loads on there that you can use and share and um, and yeah hopefully uh, you all found it really interesting and kind of spread it around schools and yeah. the communities and really get the
0: the kind of sustainable message going. oh wouldn't it be amazing if you had some people sort of um, you know get in touch to with interest about um you know schools or communities or whatever to um off the back of this so that's my plea to everybody listening so yeah 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 fabulous brilliant thank you guys so much for your time it's been absolutely wonderful um and so much um kind of food for thought and so much information in there thank you